And welcome to Next Reads, a podcast where we read the first chapter of a young adult or middle grade book to help you figure out what to read next. This podcast might contain language or situations some readers might find offensive or unsettling. The North Liberty Library does not necessarily endorse any author's views, but it does support the freedom of speech and the freedom to read. I'm your host, Kayla, the Youth and Teen Services Librarian at the North Liberty Library. My pronouns are she and her. Welcome, listeners. All right, today I'm going to be reading from Dear Martin by Nick Stone. She writes middle grade and YA fiction like Clean Getaway. This book that we're reading today is her debut novel. It is a young adult 2017 book. It was the number one New York Times bestseller, and it's a roller coaster. Let's read the summary. Justice McAllister is top of his class at Brailston Prep, captain of the debate team, and set for an Ivy League school next year. But none of that matters to the police officer who just put him in handcuffs. He is eventually released without charges or an apology, but the incident rattles him. Despite leaving his rough neighborhood, he can't seem to escape the scorn of his former peers or the attitude of his new classmates. The only exception, Sarah Jane, Justice's gorgeous and white debate partner he wishes he didn't have a thing for. Justice has studied the teachings of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., but do they hold up now? He starts a journal to Dr. King to find out. Then Justice goes driving with his best friend Manny, windows rolled down, music turned up way up, much to the fury of the white off-duty cop beside them. Words fly, shots are fired, and Justice and Manny are caught in the crosshairs. In the media fallout, it's Justice who's under attack. Riveting and revealing, Nick Stone boldly tackles American race relations in this stunning debut. Ooh, so that's the summary. MLK Day is next Monday. This is a great book to read to get ready for that. This book confronts the reality of police brutality and quests for social justice. Jules writes letters to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. titled Dear Martin in like a kind of what would Martin do way. The author tackles the idea that hope resides in unexpected places over the idea of an easy resolution. There is a sequel to this book called Dear Justice which are letters written to the main character from one of his friends in jail, and it's really interesting. Some content warnings are swearing, even in the first chapter that I'm about to read, racism, police brutality, violence, and death. Please take care of yourself first. Before we start the first chapter, there's an epigraph at the beginning. I love reading all of the extra pieces that authors put into books, so I'm going to read this one to you. I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word in reality. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Nobel Peace Prize Acceptance Speech, December 10th of 1964. Chapter 1. From where he's standing across the street, Justice can see her, Mello Taylor, ex-girlfriend slumped over beside her bends on the damp concrete of the farm fresh parking lot. She's missing a shoe and the contents of her purse are scattered around her like the guts of a pulled party popper. He knows she's stone drunk, but this is too much, even for her. Just shakes his head, remembering the judgment all over his best friend Manny's face as he left Manny's house not 15 minutes ago. The walk symbol appears. 
As he approaches, she opens her eyes, and he waves and pulls his earbuds out just in time to hear her say, What the hell are you doing here? Justice asks himself the same question as he watches her try, and fail, to shift to her knees. She falls over sideways and hits her face against the car door. He drops down and reaches for her cheek, which is as red as the candy apple paint job. Damn, Melo, are you okay? She pushes his hand away. What do you care? Stung, Justice takes a deep breath. He cares a lot, obviously. If he didn't, he wouldn't have walked a mile from Manny's house at three in the morning. Manny's of the opinion that Melo's the worst thing that ever happened to Juss, so of course, he refused to give his boy a ride. All to keep his drunken disaster of an ex from driving. He should walk away, right now. Justice should, but he doesn't. Jessa called me, he tells her. That's skank. Don't be like that, babe. She only called me because she cares about you. Jess had planned to take Melo home herself, but Mel threatened to call the cops and say she'd been kidnapped if Jessa didn't drop her at her car. Melo can be a little dramatic when she's drunk. I'm totally unfollowing her, she says, case in point. In life and online, nosy bitch. Justice shakes his head again. I just came to make sure you get home okay. That's when it hits Justice that while he might succeed in getting Melo home, he has no idea how he'll get back. He closes his eyes as Manny's words ring through his head. This Captain Save-A-Ho thing is gonna get you in trouble, dog. He looks Melo over. She's now sitting with her head leaned back against the car door, half asleep, mouth open. He sighs. Even drunk, just can't deny Melo's the finest girl he's ever laid eyes, not to mention hands, on. She starts to tilt, and Justice catches her by the shoulders to keep her from falling. She startles, looking at him wide-eyed, and Just can see everything about her that initially caught his attention. Melo's dad is this Hall of Fame NFL linebacker, big black dude, but her mom is from Norway. She got Miss Taylor's milky Norwegian complexion, wavy hair the color of honey, and amazing green eyes that are kind of purple around the edge, but she has really full lips, a small waist, crazy curvy hips, and probably the nicest butt Jess has ever seen in his life. And that's part of his problem. He gets too tripped up by how beautiful she is. He never would have dreamed a girl as fine as her would be into him. Now he's got the urge to kiss her, even though her eyes are red and her hair's a mess, and she smells like vodka and cigarettes and weed. But when he goes to push her hair out of her face, she shoves his hand away again. Don't touch me, Justice. She starts shifting her stuff around on the ground. Lipstick, Kleenex, tampons, one of those circular thingies with the makeup in one half and a mirror on the other. A flask. Ugh, where are my keys? Justice spots them in front of the back tire and snatches them up. You're not driving, Melo. Give them. She swipes for the keys but falls into his arms instead. Justice props her against the car again and gathers the rest of her stuff to put it in her bag, which is large enough to hold a week's worth of groceries. What is it with girls and purses the size of duffel bags? He unlocks the car and tosses the bag onto the floor of the back seat, trying to get Melo up off the ground. Then everything goes wrong really fast. First, she throws up all over the hoodie Justice wearing, which belongs to Manny, who specifically said, don't come back here with throw up on my hoodie. Perfect. Just takes off the sweatshirt and tosses it in the back seat. When he tries to pick Melo up again, she slaps him hard. Leave me alone, Justice, she says. 
I can't do that, Mel. There's no way you'll make it home if you try to drive yourself. He tries to lift her by the armpits, and she spits in his face. He considers walking away again. He could call her parents, stick her keys in his pocket, and bounce. Oak Ridge is probably the safest neighborhood in Atlanta. She'd be fine for the 25 minutes it would take Mr. Taylor to get here. But he can't. Despite Manny's assertion that Malo needs to suffer some consequences for once, leaving her here all vulnerable doesn't seem like the right thing to do. So he picks her up and tosses her over his shoulder. Malo responds in her usual delicate fashion. She screams and beats him on the back with her fist. Justice struggles to get the back door open and is lowering her into the car when he hears the whoop of a short siren and sees the blue lights. In the few seconds it takes the police car to screech to a stop behind him, Justice settles Melo into the back seat. Now she's catatonic. Justice can hear the approaching footsteps, but he stays focused on getting Melo strapped in. He wants it to be clear to the cop that she wasn't going to drive, so she won't be in even worse trouble. Before he can get his head out of the car, he feels a tug on his shirt and is yanked backward. His head smacks the door frame just before a hand clamps down on the back of his neck. His upper body slams onto the trunk. With so much force, he bites the inside of his cheek and his mouth fills with blood. Just swallows, head spinning, unable to get his bearings. The sting of cold metal around his wrists pull him back to reality. Handcuffs. It hits him. Melo's drunk beyond belief in the backseat of a car she fully intended to drive, yet Just is the one in handcuffs. The cop shoves him to the ground beside the police cruiser as he asks if Justice understands his rights. Justice doesn't remember hearing any rights, but his ears had been ringing for the two blows to the head, so maybe he missed them. He swallows more blood. Officer, this is a big misunderstand, he starts to say, but he doesn't get to finish because the officer hits him in the face. Don't you say shit to me, you son of a bitch. I knew your punk ass was up to no good when I saw you walking down the road with that goddamn hoodie on. So the hood was a bad idea. Earbuds too. Probably would have noticed he was being trailed without them. But officer, I... You keep your mouth shut. The cop squats and gets right in Justice's face. I know you're kind. Punks like you wander the streets of nice neighborhoods searching for prey. Just couldn't resist the pretty white girl who locked her keys in her car, could ya? Except that doesn't even make sense. If Mel had locked the keys in the car... Justice wouldn't have been able to get her inside, would he? Justice finds the officer's nameplate, Castillo. It reads, though the guy looks like a regular white dude. Mama told him how to handle this type of situation, though he must admit he never expected to actually need the advice. Be respectful. Keep the anger in check. Make sure the police can see your hands, though that's impossible right now. Officer Castillo, I mean you no disrespect. I told your punk ass to shut the fuck up. He wishes he could see Melo. Get her to tell this cop the truth, but the dude is blocking his view. Now, if you know what's good for you, you won't move or speak. Resistance will only land you in deeper shit. Got it? Cigarette breath and flecks of spit hit Justice's face as the cop speaks, but Justice fixes his gaze on the glowing green F of the Farm Fresh sign. Look at me when I'm talking to you, boy. He grabs Justice's chin. I asked you a question. Justice swallows, meets the cold blue of Officer Castillo's eyes, Clears his throat. Yes, sir. I got it. August 25th. Dear Martin, a.k.a. Dr. King. First and foremost, please know I mean you no disrespect with the whole Martin thing. I studied you and your teachings for a project in 10th grade, so it feels most natural to interact with you as a homie. Hope you don't mind that. Quick intro. My name is Justice McAllister. I'm a 17-year-old high school senior and a full scholarship student at Brazelton Preparatory Academy 
in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm ranked fourth in my graduating class of 83. I'm the captain of the debate team. I scored a 1560 and a 34 on my SATs and ACTs respectfully. And despite growing up in a bad area, not too far from your old stomping grounds, I have a future ahead of me that will likely include an Ivy League education, an eventual law degree, and a career in public policy. Sadly, during the wee hours of this morning, literally none of that mattered. Long story short, I tried to do a good deed and wound up on the ground in handcuffs. And despite the fact that my ex-girlfriend was visibly drunk off her ass, excuse my language, I apparently looked so menacing in my prep school hoodie, the cop who cuffed me called for backup. The craziest part is while I thought everything would be cool as soon as her parents got there, no matter what they told the cops, these dudes would not release me. Mr. Taylor offered to call my mom, but the cops made it clear since I'm 17, I'm considered an adult when placed under arrest, AKA there was nothing mama could do. Mr. Taylor wound up calling my friend SJ's mom, Mrs. Friedman, an attorney, and she had to come bark a bunch of legal hojas in the cop's face before they'd undo the handcuffs. By the time they finally let me go, the sun was coming up. It'd been hours, Martin. Mrs. F didn't say a whole lot as she drove me to my dorm, but she made me promise to go by the infirmary and get some cold packs for my swollen wrists. I called my mama to tell her what happened, and she said she'll file a complaint first thing in the morning. But I doubt it'll do any good. Frankly, I'm not real sure what to feel. Never thought I'd be in this kind of situation. There was this kid, Shmir Carson, black dude my age, shot and killed in Nevada by this white cop back in June. The details are hazy since there weren't any witnesses, but what's clear is this cop shot an unarmed kid four times. Even Fishier, according to the medical examiners, there was a two-hour gap between the estimated time of death and when the cop called in. Before the incident last night, I hadn't really thought much about it. There's a lot of conflicting information, so it's hard to know what to believe. Shmir's family and friends say he was a good dude, headed to college, active in his youth group, but the cop claims he caught Shmir trying to steal a car. A scuffle ensued, allegedly, and according to the police report, Shmir tried to grab the cop's gun, so the cop shot Shmir in self-defense. I don't know. I've seen some pictures of Shmir Carson, and he did have kind of a thuggish appearance. In a way, I guess I thought I didn't really need to concern myself with this type of thing, because compared to him, I don't come across as threatening, you know? I don't sag my pants or my clothes super big. I go to a good school and have goals and vision and a great head on my shoulders, as mama likes to say. Yeah, I grew up in a rough area, but I know I'm a good dude. Martin, I thought if I made sure to be an upstanding member of society, I'd be exempt from the stuff those black guys deal with, you know? Really hard to swallow that I was wrong. All I can think now is how different would things have gone had I not been a black guy. I know initially the cop could only go by what he saw, which probably did seem a little sketchy, but I never had my character challenged like that before. Last night changed me. I don't want to walk around all pissed off and looking for problems, but I know I can't continue to pretend nothing's wrong. Yeah, there are no more colored water fountains, and it's supposed to be illegal to discriminate. But if I can be forced to sit on the concrete in too tight handcuffs when I've done nothing wrong, it's clear there's an issue, that things aren't as equal as folks say they are. I need to pay more attention, Martin. Start really seeing stuff and writing it down. Figure out what to do with it. That's why I'm writing to you. You faced way worse, sh I mean, stuff than sitting in handcuffs for a few hours. 
but you stuck to your guns. Well, you're lack thereof, actually. I want to try to live like you. Do what you would do. See where it gets me. My wrist is killing me, so I have to stop writing now, but thanks for hearing me out. Sincerely, Justice McAllister. And that is the end of chapter one. Whew. Is some heavy stuff. What do you think will happen next? I really enjoy the structure of this book and how it goes from a chapter from Justice's point of view to him writing a letter. It goes back and forth in every chapter. I hope you found this chapter intriguing enough to check out. If not, there's always another book just waiting to be discovered. You can check this book out physically in the library as well as digitally. We have it as an ebook and an e-audiobook. If you need any help with your library card or with Libby and accessing our digital materials, please let us know. We are always happy to help. Please check some show notes for some read-alikes. Some of my favorite books are on there. And thank you for listening. Join me next time for another Next Reads.